of the Rancho Santa Margarita Planning Commission. Um, I'm going to call the meeting to order. And uh, I'll ask uh, Kristen, will you do the Pledge of Allegiance for us? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Tony, roll call. Thank you, Chair. Chair Leach. Did you just call my name? Jim. Yeah, I'm here. Yes. Sorry. Vice Chair Tripke. No. <laughs> Commissioner Camellia. Present. Commissioner Lima. Present. And Commissioner Nelson. I'm here. Outstanding. Thank you very much. Uh, do we have any presentations and or proclamations this evening? None tonight. Okay. Um, and schedule a future event, Cheryl. Thank you. Uh, we would like to announce the popular electronic waste and document shredding event. It will be held Saturday, April 1st from 8 a.m. to noon. Uh, due to better circulation options, this meeting will be, uh, this event will be held at the Applied Medical R100 building. That is the building at the corner of Banderas and Impresa. Ah, okay, very good. Thank you. <coughs> Uh, move on to public comment. This is the time to address the Planning Commission on any matter that is not listed on the agenda, uh, but is that is within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Planning Commission. Public comments are limited to three minutes per person. Segment of the public comments portion of the agenda shall not exceed a total of 30 minutes. Do we have anyone? I don't believe we have anyone. Okay, very good. We'll move on then. Uh, with that in mind, let's look at uh, item 4.1, the minutes. Um, if everyone's had an opportunity to look at those and you don't have any changes, I'd entertain a motion. So moved. Second. Been moved and seconded. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Uh, all opposed, same sign. I'll abstain since I wasn't here. I'm sorry? I'll abstain since I wasn't here. Oh, That's very me. good. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, 5.1. Uh, we begin our public hearing items portion of the agenda. Uh, request to approve planning application RSM 23-001, including a conditional use permit to establish a personal fitness facility and a categorical exemption in accordance with the California Environmental Quality Act located at 31441 Santa Margarita Parkway, Suite B, Rancho Santa Margarita, 92688. That is in the Mercado del Lago Shopping Center. Uh, we have a staff report. Good evening, Chair Leach, Planning Commissioners. The applicant, Katie Nyberg, uh, doing business as Pure Bar, has submitted planning application RSM 23-001 for a conditional use permit to establish a personal fitness facility within an existing tenant suite located at 31441 Santa Margarita Parkway, Suite B, in Mercado del Lago Shopping Center, which is located in the Commercial Neighborhood Zoning District. A personal fitness facility is considered a commercial recreation use, which is a conditionally permitted use in the Commercial Neighborhood Zoning District. No. I know, it is. Pure Bar is proposed next to the end suite on the main level between the Mail Center and Twin Peaks uh, to Barber. The subject site has been vacant for several years and was most recently occupied by a massage establishment and then briefly by a seasonal pop-up shop. 
Other similar businesses within the Mercado del Lago Shopping Center include Essential Fitness, OCMA Martial Arts, and Club Pilates. Except for new building signage, other exterior improvements are not proposed. The proposed layout for the facility consists of 1,843 square feet comprised of an entry lobby area, a large studio area, an ADA compliant restroom, and a small storage area. No tenant improvements are being proposed. Um, Pure Bar would operate Monday through Thursday from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday and Sunday from 7 a.m. to noon with a maximum capacity of 23 people on site at any one time, 20 students plus three employees. The class schedule has been included in your packet as attachment number five. The applicant anticipates 50-minute Pure Bar classes and staff has added the standard condition of approval providing at least 15-minute breaks between classes pursuant to condition of approval 13. This transition will help with traffic and parking lot flow. With the approval of this proposed conditional use permit, the Planning Commission must evaluate and make findings of support regarding conforming with the present zoning standards, including parking, based upon the city's zoning code standard for shopping centers of one space per 200 feet, this 1,843-square-foot business would require 10 parking spaces. Since joint-use parking is in effect and no building expansion is proposed, patrons may park in any of the parking spaces that are provided. Therefore, sufficient parking would be available to accommodate the proposed use and current tenants in the shopping center, and staff does not anticipate that the proposal would impact existing parking and on-site circulation. This afternoon, I'll note that I received an email from the owner of the mail center next door to the proposed use, who is here tonight to ask for some clarification about how the applicant plans to mitigate potential noise impacts from the pure bar classes beyond what the applicant stated in the letter of justification. Based on the foregoing discussion, staff supports the application and recommends that the Planning Commission approve planning application RSM 23-001, subject to the proposed conditions of approval contained within the proposed resolution. This concludes staff's presentation. Staff and the applicant are here to answer any questions the Planning Commission may have. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <clears throat> um, any questions of the staff, Kristen? Any questions? Blaine? None for me, thanks. No questions. Okay. Uh, I have one on that. Uh, can you go back to that to the floor plan? Yes. What are the numbered spaces around the perimeter of the, of the room? I believe, that, so you'll see the bars in the perimeter of the, of the room. I believe that would be like a station for an applicant, for a participant of the, of the class. Well, it's like a personal space. Yeah. Okay. I just couldn't figure it out. Okay, thank you. Um, it, having no questions from the uh, from the commission, <clears throat> pardon me. We will open the public hearing, um, and we're prepared to take testimony. We have uh, a couple of folks who want to speak. Uh, first up is Katie Nyberg. Katie. Hello. Hi, I'm Katie Nyberg. I own, um, this would be my second Pure Bar location. I currently have one operating in the city of Tustin. Um, I took over that location in July 2021. Um, it had been open for, it's been open now for almost seven and a half years. Um, and I'm super excited to bring Pure Bar back to the city of Rancho Santa Margarita. As you may know, we had a former location that closed in the spring of last year under different ownership. And I have had so many clients reach out expressing just excitement about bringing the workout back to the city. And I can't wait to deliver this full body 
low impact effective workout to all of the residents that live here. Our classes are 50 minutes long. They're currently spaced at my current studio 25 minutes apart, so well beyond the 15 minutes, and we would maintain a similar schedule. Um, the spaces you do see, they're not, um, they're just zones to show how many people we will fit in the studio, but it's essentially just a bar with um, carpet um, and small hand weights and resistance bands. Um, beyond that, I am committed to being a good neighbor. All of our patrons at our current location um, patronize the other businesses in our center. We are right next to a dentist at our current location, so very um, aware of potential noise impacts, and it is something that we are always going to be striving to make sure that all of our neighbors are comfortable with the noise coming from our studio. We don't have any current issues with our dentists, and they've been our neighbors for seven years as well, so they opened at the same time as us. Um, that's, thank you for okay, considering thank this. thank you. Any questions from the... Just, just one question, and I yeah. think you actually answered it, because did, you, did I hear you correctly say that you were the owner of the previous location? I was not. Oh. So I took, uh, I purchased the ownership rights to this territory in fall of last year. Oh. Um, the, it was closed under a previous owner in the spring. Okay. I um, didn't know they closed, and I was just like so intrigued by the, the idea of two in the city and, <laughs> and yeah. what that meant for competition and all of it. So so thank you for that. Um, and then I'll, just a comment that I understand ballet is supposed to be quiet, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's, it's not um, boot camp. It's, you know, they're not yelling at, um, at the, <laughs> the clients, but it is a musically driven class, so there is music with it, um, but it's not a, um, you know, super intense Atmosphere. Thank you. Very good. Gentlemen, questions? Uh, a question. Uh, you said you own the, your current business for the past seven years? Um, it, this location's been open for the past seven years, and I took over in July 2021 from the prior owner. Um, I purchased that location. Okay. And, and have you talked to Pew Bar about maybe what were some of the issues they ran into last time they were here? Um, from my understanding, they couldn't reach an agreement with the landlord of that um, space. It was they were up for their renewal, and the landlord elected not to renew them. Um, that, that's my understanding. Okay. Yes. Uh, no questions, but um, just uh, uh, comments. Thank you. Thank you for your letter, the uh, attention to detail, and the success you've had in your your other Tustin store. So thank you for that, and thanks for the focus on the noise mitigation, too, and the steps you took to, to address that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Our next uh, speaker, <clears throat> pardon me if I mispronounce, Ms. Kwan An. Yes. Yes, please step forward, sir. Okay, thank you for giving me a chance to uh, be here tonight. Uh, my name is Kwan An. Uh, I'm the business owner of the same uh, spot next door is uh, Suite 8. I have uh, a mail center experience more than 20 years. Uh, this is my third store. And at the, my second store in Irvine, uh, address is 6789 Query Parkway, Irvine, 92603. I have uh, experience with Pure Bar as a next door. And I've been there more than 10 years. Um, around the, someday, um, my next door um, was uh, occupied by the T-Mobiles, and then after T-Mobile left, and then Pure Bar come in, and owner name is Chelsea. She's very nice, and she's very cooperative. I didn't have any uh, hearing this kind of situation in Hawaii before, and 
when we have some kind of uh, uh, noisy bothering from next door, we call the uh, count door, uh, counter the, uh, office or Chelsea, and then they are very cooperative. They're going to volume down kind of things. And after three years, uh, Chelsea sold their store, and another lady, Monica, took over their store, and then um, starting big, big, big noise. Uh, I understand. I tried to cooperate with her and uh, explain her, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, my customer and my employee has the problem with the noisy, and would you adjust your uh, speaker location and volume? And she said, and at the beginning she's cooperative, but later she would not say, okay, I cannot cooperate, you can go to the, you know, uh, any complaints. Oh my God, and then uh, it's coming problem again and again. I think it's around, uh, according to, uh, Katie has experienced Dustin, you know, take over according to our speech this hearing. Uh, July 2021 means it's one and a half, more than one and a half years experience. I would appreciate that. She knows that the sounds control kind of things. And the, the Monica um, has still has a problem. Uh, how can I handle that? Um, you know, around the 10 instructor for daily operation, you know, uh, workout. And around the seven uh, trainer doesn't have any problem. Uh, three trainer has the different workout program and different music, like bum, 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 and night, night, kind of nightclub sounds. And my mailbox holder has complained my notary customer sometimes staying at the notary desk for signing and all things like 30 minutes and one hour. They cannot stay too much noise and not, cannot focus on the reading the old notary, you know, uh, mortgage documentation kind of things. And then uh, problem, so uh, one day I have a bad experience. One my mailbox holder, his name is Mike Hoyt, and jumped to the you know, next door and arguing, screaming to the uh, lady at the front desk, stop the music, and then connect the, uh, your, your, your owner. And I asked Mike, I understand your problem, but please we can cooperate together for settle down these issues. I tried my best, and around 50 cust uh, my customers signed the complaints, and then I just come to the Irvine uh, company, my land, ro land road, and they uh, eventually they just come to the uh, inspect, and they uh, asked me to uh, soundproof uh, between the door, and according to the uh, pure bar uh, standard system, they make a soundproof system, but that doesn't help any because of the instructor music and all kinds of things. It takes an hour continued to uh, problem. So I, uh, I spent uh, the uh, estimation of the constructor, 21,000. It's 18 foot from the bottom to the ceiling and four inch uh, wall, four layers uh, soundproof panel. And then upstairs, uh, two feet of the insulation installed all things. It cost is $21,000. And Urban Company asked me to pay half, and Urban Company pay uh, 10000 I pay 11000 because I have to do even my money. I have no choice. And in the meantime, my wife, so much stress, she went to the psychologist, and she cannot, and then one of the, my employees left up the noisy. It's a serious problem. And then after construction done, it's, it's okay. Like a, you know, like a, uh, Decibel level based on the hypothesis 10 is come down like two. 
And then a couple of months later, sound come out again. And I just, oh, surprise. And then she changed the, uh, I, I, I assume he, she changed the location of the speaker and things like that and happen and happen. So eventually I complained to Irvine company then oh, we did down everything in the insulation, what should we do? And okay, I don't know what happened because the Chelsea previous owner doesn't have any problem. Is Monica has a problem with the tool instruct has problem. I take the all noise kind of things and make a print and make a note and go to the Irvine, uh, city of Irvine and city of Irvine uh, inspector come to my store. They check the decibel is still under the industry standard because sounds not ear to ear because of through the wall doesn't impact the you know decibel check equipment. So, uh, but no way I could just give up and then I left. And then I sold the store and then, uh, because this is my third store. And so uh, I just concerned, basically it's okay. So based on my uh, customer statement, because they hear that then one of the, uh, three of the, my customer has the pure barrel experience, maybe one Tustin, one uh, like a diamond bar and uh, Grand Ale kind of things. They never have any uh, this kind of sounds next door. And, but anyway, I, I kind of have that. I just wonder, welcoming any tenants, um, this empty space, my next door, I'm fine, because that's impact to me, uh, the less uh, uh, triple A, you know, uh, the camp cost down because of additional tenants. I'm happy to be there, but I have only concern because I have the uh, serious problem experience before, and how they control the sound, proof, world tour, and how they make a noisy and then speaker location kind of things and instruct the music kind of different things. That's my concern. Okay? Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you for your comments. Mm -hmm. Any questions? Or... No? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I think that's it, right, Tony? Okay. Um, with that in mind, we'll close the public hearing and... Uh, Colleagues, comments, questions, deliberations? I'd, I'd just like to point out um, for the benefit of the audience that um, there is a condition of approval, condition 18, regarding public disturbance complaints. There is a process spelled out um, that should there be noise complaints, um, that anybody could make a complaint to the city, the city would investigate it. And then I did want to also point out that the applicant has, it appears to me, gone to extensive effort um, to provide, um, you know, a diagram here that shows that there is sound attenuation. Um, I'm not sure if um, you've had an opportunity to read it, but it does look like it's, you know, double wall configuration. It was produced by a sound engineer. Um, there are layers of gypsum board and soundboard adhered with sound glue and sealant to minimize noise transmission. Um, so with those two things, in light of those two facts, I'm, I'm comfortable proceeding in support of the applicant. Okay. Very good. Clay, anything? Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in agreement. Um, I, uh, um, at first reading the, um, the applicant's letter, um, it seemed like uh, that seemed like the applicant addressed that adequately. Um, again, much like Commissioner Kamuvia said, um, the details are also in our report um, regarding the material used to, to soundproof the walls on each side, it looks like. So I'm, I'm 
comfortable with it. It seems like the proper steps have been taken. And then of course, um, it looks like it's in a, the condition here, condition 18, that it can be reviewed if necessary, so. Okay, I, Eric, yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate uh, Mrs. Nyberg's uh, a detailed response in, in her presentation. I do also appreciate, Mr. Kwan, you, you, you voicing your uh, concerns uh, with this, and they, and they are definitely heard. Um, and so we do appreciate that. Um, and I, I think we should uh, move forward. Okay, very good. All right. Um, with that in mind, uh, I don't have any further comments. I appreciate both folks coming out. I, I, uh, I understand the concerns about sound, but it, again, I agree with my colleagues. It looks like it's been addressed, uh, at least to this point, in the, <coughs> pardon me, in the, uh, in the application and in the report. So, um, with that in mind, uh, I would uh, make a motion, or I would entertain a motion rather to adopt the resolution. Do I need to read the resolution? No. Okay. To adopt the resolution as written in our packet. So. I'll, I'll move to approve application 23001 as stated. Okay. I'll second. Okay. Been moved and seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's see. 5.2. Uh, zoning code text amendment 23-001, an ordinance amending the Rancho Santa Margarita Municipal Code to update and clarify regulations related to accessory dwelling units and junior accessory dwelling units in accordance with state law. Uh, staff report. Cheryl. Thank you, Chair Leach. Good evening, members of the Planning Commission. Um, as your chairman just announced, this uh, item is an accessory dwelling unit ordinance. I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, the state legislature has long considered accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, an opportunity to provide affordable housing in single-family neighborhoods. Beginning in 2002, the state legislature passed a number of bills aimed at making ADU development easier. Um, over time, the city's municipal code has been amended to um, meet the requirements of state law. Most recently, the zoning code was updated in 2021 to comply with the state law, which was current at the time. In just the subsequent to that legislative cycle, the California legislature passed two new bills to further promote development of ADUs throughout the state. Those bills also served to clarify some language that was unclear in the prior legislation. In addition to the new legislation, we received a letter from HCD, the California Department of Housing and Community Development, who had reviewed our 2021 ordinance and found two deficiencies, which I will bring up uh, in a moment. So just a, a little overview of the ordinance. Um, the ordinance covers the types of ADUs that are allowed, where those ADUs, which zoning districts allow those uh, ADUs, development standards, including setbacks, heights, size, parking, time limits for city review, which are set in the state law. And then we also have the opportunity in some instances to require that ADUs be owner-occupied. Um, and we can prohibit short-term rentals. If short-term, if ADUs were allowed to be short-term rentals, they wouldn't be an affordable housing source because they would be transient housing. 
There are four types of ADUs. Um, I'm sure you've all seen these definitions before in my older PowerPoint slides, um, attached, detached, converted, and junior. Those definitions have not changed. Um, the last, the 2021 update did um, expand the allowable locations for accessory dwelling units, and those are still the same allowable locations. It's basically every residential zoning district. Um, on single family lots, the code allows one ADU and one junior ADU. And on multifamily lots, uh, detached and converted ADUs are allowed and the number is specified um, basically by the number of, of non-residential spaces or um, units on that, on that property. So um, this slide describes the changes that you've seen in your staff report. I provided a table that was redlined basically to show you the differences from the 2021 ordinance. And the ordinance itself is also redlined to show you where those changes occur. And there's five main, main changes. So uh, one of the deficiencies that HCD found was that we uh, allowed a minimum size of an ADU or JADU to be 220 square feet. They pointed out to us a different section of the um, government code, which defined an efficiency unit as a minimum of 150 square feet. So you'll see in the ordinance anywhere we referenced a minimum of 220, it now says 150. Um, the maximum height, the HCD letter uh, took issue with the way we defined the height limit for accessory dwelling units, which said 16 feet or the height of the uh, primary dwelling unit. We wrote that in, or in trying to be permissive, meaning if the primary dwelling unit was over 16 feet, you could build something taller than 16 feet. But we didn't say whichever is greater or whichever is less. Our, our code didn't say that. So they took issue with that, thinking that we were being more restrictive. In the meantime, uh, the new 2021 legislation gave very specific direction on the height limits, 16, 18, or 20 feet, depending on the situation, which is what you see redlined in your ordinance. So um, that would have changed regardless of whether HCD found that deficiency. Um, one of the other things that these, the new state legislation clarifies is um, front yard setbacks. So before, um, state law and our ordinance said that waiver that there needed to be a waiver of certain setbacks if a certain size ADU couldn't be built. Um, it did not specify front setbacks, now it does. So now our ordinance specifies front, front setbacks as well. Uh, there's a new, a little new information about how uh, junior accessory dwelling units can be accessed. And then a new provision in the code um, requires that if there's a demolition permit to demolish an existing accessory structure such as a garage, it needs to be um, reviewed and approved concurrently with the accessory dwelling unit uh, application. So you'll see that's a new addition in our code. Those are really the only changes um, compared to the 2021 ordinance. This is, these are minor changes, but they are necessary to bring uh, the city's ordinance in alignment with state law, which is required. So uh, in summary, like I just said, the proposed ordinance is designed to meet the requirements of state law. 
our recommendation is that the Planning Commission review the ordinance and adopt a resolution recommending its approval to the City Council. So just as a reminder, any zoning code amendment needs to be approved by the City Council. The Planning Commission acts as an advisory board, so you review and adopt a resolution making your recommendation to the City Council. We then take that uh, as a public hearing item to the City Council for first reading and a second reading. Uh, if, if approved at both first and second reading, the ordinance would become effective 30 days later. That concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Very good. <clears throat> thank you very much. Start on this end, Eric. Anything? No, thank you, Cheryl. That was thorough. I learned, I learned some stuff in that. So. <laughs> Blaine? None from me, thanks. Pretty straightforward. Kristen? I can't help myself. You know. No? Yeah, I do. I do. Oh, um, you do. I'm sorry. Yeah, with but you were grumbling. I, I thought that. Apologies. <laughs> um, with regard to the height restrictions, it appears to me, um, upon review of the legislation, that it's it's tied specifically to proximity to high density transit units um, versus the properties that they would be associated with. And so, I just wonder, with regard to. Um, I think it's the 18 foot. Um, I'm losing it now. But but is there an instance with this new change that the ADU could be taller than the primary resident, especially when we're dealing with single story residents? I do believe that is the case. Without um, regard for the primary resident, is that right? Um, Michael is definitely our state law expert, so I'll let him read and, and answer that question. But yes, I believe that the... Uh, the accessory dwelling unit can be taller than the primary dwelling unit with these new changes, with the which new is changes. why we had in our initial, yeah. uh, our 2021 ordinance, that provision uh, for, for height. I will say, though, that the city currently does not have anything that qualifies as a high-quality transit corridor. I, I um, what? made that assumption. <laughs> Quality transit corridor. Oh, okay. <coughs> which would trigger these height restrictions, correct? Um, or allotments or allocations, right. the up to amount. Is that, am I reading that right? Yeah, that there, there that our prior, that as written today, prior to any change, um, the ADU's height would be limited to at least the height of the primary dwelling unit and that this would this change would, would potentially create an environment in which an ADU could be taller. That, that's generally correct. I think the ADU statute and even our prior ordinance and as proposed now does differentiate between attached and detached ADUs. So we've historically had a detached ADU limit of 16 feet in height. 16. There's a possibility that in some instances, I suppose that could be higher than a primary unit, although that's probably unlikely. Um, and then when we talk now about the new law and additional heights being sort of tied to an attached unit or single family residence. In those instances, you're gonna keep the ADU uh, at a comparable height to the existing dwelling that it's attached to. Uh, but there are other scenarios where a detached unit could in fact be higher than the primary unit. Okay, thank you. I, I'm just so thoroughly um, interested. Um, with regard to the 150 square foot minimum, um, remind me, there is no prohibition or, or uh, there is a prohibition on our ability to limit occupancy, right? Uh, 
I believe there are occupancy limits tied into the building standard codes, but not within the ADU lot, so. So I think SB 897 very specifically says that um, these changes don't constitute an occupancy change for the purposes of fire code. Uh, meaning, I think, I think that means that you can put, have 10 people living in 150 square feet without it impacting fire code? It, it would depend on what the occupancy limit is as established by the fire code. So I think you would look to the, the building standards, the fire code to see what occupancy limits are applicable to any sort of dwelling unit based on its size. Uh, but that's not something we provide for in the ADU unit, or I'm sorry, in the ADU ordinance itself. Okay, this is helpful. Um, I just wanna clarify another distinction that I think is um, a difference between what is written today versus the future state proposed, which is, um, which is the setback for the, for the front, right? That is a change that would be made today with a vote or by the city council. Yeah, historically, prior to these changes, the state law um, limited our ability to establish uh, side and rear yard setbacks, mm -hmm. but said that the cities were free to Create establish that. and maintain front yard setbacks. Um, there's a list of development standards in the ADU law, the state law statute, that must be waived as needed to allow for the development of uh, an 800 square foot ADU, that's sort of the state mandatory size that if you have uh, development standards, lot coverage, et cetera, that would prohibit the construction of an 800 square foot ADU, we have to waive that standard. Mm -hmm. And so what the recent enactments in state law do now is uh, they state that we can still have a front yard setback um, that's established by our code, but to the extent enforcing that front yard setback would prohibit the development of an 800 square foot ADU, we have to waive it. So depending on the configuration of an existing house on a lot or the lot size or shape, um, you know, we could hypothetically have, let's say a 10 foot front yard setback if, if enforcing that standard would preclude Again, the development of an 800 square foot ADU on that lot, we'd have to waive that. So we may have instances where an ADU would be required to be built within a front yard setback area that we would otherwise enforce. Okay. And then my last question for you and one for Cheryl. Um, neither um, SB 897 or AB 2221 um, allow local agencies to impose any kind of parking standards, is that correct? There is a direct prohibition, is that right? A, con a parking condition for an ADU. Yeah, this, the state law basically occupies that space and saying what we can, uh, uh, what we can require in terms of parking in instances where we're precluded from asking for any sort of additional parking with ADUs. Okay, um, thank you, I appreciate it. I always have questions. Um, Cheryl, uh, the staff report talks about two applications that the city's received um, for ADUs. Um, one of them, so I had a question, right, in terms of were either of those low income, right? That's the goal of this. Um, I do think that that question was answered for one of them in a, in a different um, staff report forthcoming, but with regard to the Robinson Ranch single family lot, what is that? What does that project look like? Is it how big is it? Um, 
Do we know if it's low income? So we, um, that's an attached ADU. It's been a, f a couple of years now since that one was approved and built and occupied. Um, and that was before the 2021 changes. And so with the 2021 changes and with all of the housing element uh, focus on ADUs, we have started collecting that information from those applicants. So we, we didn't collect that information right. specifically from that applicant, but um, as you remember from our housing element discussion, HCD allows us to count ADUs as low income. So we don't have data per se, but we are, it is it is considered a low income unit by, okay. by that standard. That was going to be, um, my recommendation was just maybe we should start capturing that data kind of on a go forward basis, um, especially given um, the, I think, expectation, at least by the state, that we're gonna start seeing an influx of these types of um, uh, requests um, and to the extent that they are or not fulfilling the goal of, of the legislation, I think that would be um, really helpful, not just for local policymakers, but certainly something that would be uh, helpful for state legislators to see, um, you know, upon review in future years. So, so thank you. That's all for me. Okay. <clears throat> A couple of questions. Um, follow up on what Kristen asked. Um, so you have a suppose you had a 150 square foot ADU, and and if I'm reciting something we talked about, <laughs> I'm <coughs> surprised. <coughs> um, and it and as you say, it, by definition, it's a low in, it's low income. But suppose it's a thousand dollars a month. Is there an objective standard as to what actually is low income lease rates? Uh, we would we would look to the uh, the state standards for what constitutes low income and and the the uh, rent standards for that they change from year to year um, but I, I think the the short answer is no the state allows us to count them as as a low income unit right. in in most cases and um, the thousand dollars a month might be considered affordable in this market yeah. <laughs> in that, no, in, that's in that the reason market. I ask I just yeah. it, I mean, I don't have a I don't have a good sense of it, but I also and don't I also don't think that's what we're about. We're not talking about regulating the rents. We're talking about regulating the, the the size and placement and all that business. Absolutely. So yes. So um, true affordable housing projects generally have a deed restriction, which uh, requires the ownership or the to charge affordable rents for a certain period of time in exchange for certain financing. Right. Um, secondarily, <clears throat> given uh, that I guess virtually the entire city is uh, under the uh, an HOA, one, one, one HOA or another, um, how do their deed, if you know, how do their deed restrictions apply in this regard? Are they are they exempt? Are we do we take over that aspect of their Responsibility. I mean, I, I don't mean in necessarily a legal way, but it means. Yeah, it, as of this moment, um, the state law has not expressly preempted HOA documents. So you may well be in a situation where an HOA's own regulations would restrict or limit the development of ADUs. Huh. Okay. Um, do we know if we have any detached garages in the, t in, in the city? I'm not aware of any, unless you uh, count any that might be in apartment 
complexes. Yes, uh, that was and that was the other thing I was going to ask that uh, because if you could if you took any of the parking structures, uh, and by that I guess I mean since none of them were high-rise parking structures, it would be the canopies, uh, and they were going to convert that into units. Then this there'd be there'd be application within this framework for that. On multifamily property, um, ADUs can only be attached or converted, um, and so I, there would be an interpretation there that I, that we would need to make about whether a carport is a is a structure that can be converted because it's not an enclosed structure; it's uh, not an accessory yeah. structure necessarily. So that that's a call we'll, we may have to make in the future. Do you have more to? Add to that. The only thing I would add to that is that when you're talking about the development of ADUs uh, in connection with an existing multifamily dwelling, there's limits in terms of the ultimate number that could be produced. So it would never be a situation where every single carport in an apartment development is now being converted right. into an additional dwelling unit. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I got one more question. Sure. Um, uh, Kristen brings up a great point with with tracking, and I know with the housing element, could you, could you remind us how many ADUs we're anticipating to that that we would need to to meet the requirements uh, of the housing element, and then are we using some of the pre-existing numbers that we've already discussed here in some of these letters as part of that? Great question. So, um, our regional housing needs allocation, you'll remember, is 680 units. And uh, the breakdown for accessory dwelling units is 40 of that total. Um, the state law, uh, our, the housing element that was adopted in August of uh, last year, covers the period 2021 to 2029. So the most recent uh, ADU that was constructed that you'll see in the general plan annual progress report, um, that one does count toward the current RENA. So now we're at 679. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. Okay. Um, thank you very much. And if there are no further questions or of the staff, uh, we'll open our public hearing on this uh, amendment. Uh, I don't see any public testimony. No one, no one uh, to address that. Okay. In that case, we'll close the public hearing, and uh, we're open for discussion and uh, conversation. Eric, anything? Not, yeah, nothing else you guys can talk about. It's a, um, since this appears to be a matter of state law, um, it's pretty straightforward, and that's all I have. Very good. Thank you for your questions. Um, anything else? Just, um, I want to point out um, that to endorse this um, recommendation, it does ask that this planning commission. Um, make certain findings. Um, one finding, for example, is that the proposed amendments would not adversely affect surrounding properties or the surrounding environment. Um, also, and this was something that came up the first time, is that um, the project, because the state of California told us, um, is required to be CEQA exempt. But in order to make findings for exemption, um, certain factors have to be met, and, and the staff report actually even says the activity will not result in a direct or reasonably foreseeable indirect physical change in the environment. And so um, that gives me pause, so I will just make that, that, that observation. Okay. 
Thank you very much. Um, any further comments? Hearing none, <clears throat> uh, I would entertain a motion to uh, adopt the resolution regarding the zoning code amendment text. I'll make the motion to adopt the resolution um, that it would be presented to city council for approval. Here's a second. I'll second. Good. Uh, it's been moved and seconded. Uh, all, those all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed, same sign. No. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, moving into new business. We have a request to approve an amendment to planning application RSM 21-010 involving a modification to a condition of approval for tentative parcel map number 2022-132 to subdivide property into three commercial, commercial, three commercial condominiums, pardon me, located at 29839 Santa Margarita Parkway and adopt a categorical exemption in accordance with the California Environmental Quality Act. Uh, a staff presentation. All right, thank you, uh, Chair Leach. Good evening, Planning Commissioners. Yes, uh, the proposed amendment tonight would modify a specific condition of approval uh, for the planning application in question. Um, as you may recall, this planning uh, or planning application RSM 2110 uh, was approved by the Planning Commission on August 3rd, 2022. Um, pursuant to uh, subsection 9.10.050K, the city zoning code, a project applicant may request the planning commission to modify or delete conditions for an approved tentative parcel map. We have the same issue here. Okay, there we go. So, um, planning application RSM 2110 uh, authorized tentative parcel map 2022-132, uh, which allowed the applicant to subdivide an existing office building in the three commercial condominium suites located at 29839 Santa Margarita Parkway within the Arbors. Upon receiving approval of the tentative parcel map, the applicant submitted a final map, which is the next step in the subdivision uh, process uh, for city review in accordance with the conditions of approval of planning application RSM 21-010. So this is the uh, condominium layout. It was three suites. Um, right now, the Arbors allows for medical office and general office uses based on a parking um, entitlement that was granted, an alternative development standard that was granted uh, back in 2005. Um, the uh, planning application RSM 2110 um, in this subdivision uh, included 14 conditions of approval. Uh, presently, the applicant has worked with staff to uh, satisfy all of those conditions of approval except for one, which is condition of approval number eight. And essentially, condition of approval number eight required two uh, documents to be prepared. One, a site-specific CCNR that was uh, specific to the address in question, as well as amending the master CCNRs for the arbors to um, essentially memorialize the subdivision and also the parking and use limitations on the site. So the applicant has uh, prepared the site-specific CCNRs. Those have been approved in form um, by the city. However, the uh, board of directors for the Arbors uh, sent a, a letter that uh, formally denied the request of the applicant to amend the master CCNRs. 
So in response to this uh, denial letter that was received from the board, the applicant has submitted a request to the city to remove the master CCNR amendment requirement from condition of approval eight of their tentative parcel map. Uh, so essentially, if the proposed modification, and we'll go over that in a minute, essentially removes the master CCNR requirement, um, the condition of approval as it would be proposed and approved, if, if approved tonight, would now allow the applicant to finalize their final map and take it for city council consideration. So just to give a brief history again, um, in the R Reserve in three, or there were two other prior subdivision um, parcel maps that were, that were done. Uh, one was in 2007 at 29829 Santa Margarita Parkway, and again in 2008 at uh, 29809 Santa Margarita Parkway and 29811 Santa Margarita Parkway. Uh, both approvals did include a condition of approval requiring the preparation of a site-specific CCNR, but they did not require an amendment to the master CCNRs for the arbors. Um, instead, the two prior approvals uh, required that each time a condo suite was sold, the new condo owner must provide written acknowledgement to the city of the parking and use limitations <coughs> on the subject site. So essentially, um, every time a tenant would come in for, or apply for a certificate of use and occupancy with the city, they would have to acknowledge these conditions that are in place in, regarding the parking and use limitations at the site. So fa fast forward to 2000 and 2021, when RSM 2110 is submitted, uh, the CCNR condition of approval was revised to require an amendment to the Arbor's master CCNRs in addition to the site-specific CCNRs, which I've discussed, uh, with staff's thought being that the parking and use limitations at the subject site would be better enforced through the Arbor's master CCNRs. Um, with the board's denial of the master CCNRs, the applicant requests, and it's in their letter of justification, that this requirement be removed since the prior two tentative parcel maps that were uh, approved in 2007 and 2008 did not have the requirement to amend the master CCNRs. So staff did evaluate the applicant's request um, the removal of the master CCNR requirement from condition of approval eight would not conflict with existing entitlements in the arbors. Um, this is because the uses that are allowed are enforced by the city already through the certificate and use, use and occupancy application process, regardless of whether the master CCNRs were uh, amended or not. Um, furthermore, it's not the city's intent to hold up the applicant's uh, tentative map due to the decision of an outside third party. Uh, therefore, staff supports the proposed modification since it would not conflict with underlying entitlements. The prior subdivision application did not require amendment to the master CCNRs, and the city already has an enforcement mechanism in place that attains the same results as amending the master CCNRs. Um, it's also important to note that the proposed modification uh, would not modify the size, location, or underlying uses already authorized through planning application RSM 2110. <coughs> um, also, other conditions of approval would be, uh, the, or that were approved previously through this planning application would also remain enforceable and in effect. So here is the um, proposed modification. Essentially, 
the, um, it's a three paragraph condition. I just focused on the second paragraph, which is where the clause is regarding the master CCNRs. Um, essentially, it just removes those first couple sentences from this condition and just requires the site-specific CCNR to be uh, prepared and recorded, um, consistent with the other two uh, prior approvals that were granted in the arbors. Um, with the, uh, just again to reiterate, with approval of this modification, the applicant would satisfy all conditions of approval for the tentative parcel map, which would allow the applicant to move forward with their application. Uh, the Planning Commission, though, may, they can concur with staff's recommendation. Um, they could also propose new modifications. You can, or make no changes to the existing um, conditions of approval. Um, however, if the Planning Commission decides not to modify the, the condition of approval as, as shown, uh, the applicant cannot move forward with their final map application until Arbor's management approves uh, an amendment to the Arbor's uh, master CCNRs. So uh, hopefully that is a good summation of what the request is. I'm certainly happy to answer any questions this evening as well as the applicant, which is also the business owner, or I'm sorry, the business and property owner at this subject site is also here to answer any questions as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, questions of staff, colleagues? No? Okay. <laughs> nope. Eric? Um, I, I, and I'm trying to understand this, so I, I understand that the Arbor's Board of Directors, and I'd understand why they wouldn't want to amend their master CCNRs um, and, and what I'm trying to understand is, is um, if it is if the board of directors um, for the arbors, um, if they if, if um, what is um, why they wouldn't would they approve this change as a board of directors within their CCNRs, or do they have any any right to approve or not approve it um, just based on their own CCNRs? It's outside of staff's purview to um, as to why they did not approve it, um, since it's an outside uh, um, party that that's not affiliated with the city. That being said, I know the applicant was in it or did attend those meetings and does have a better idea of what the reasoning was behind their decision. If I may add, uh, Chair Leach. Uh, this amendment would remove any need for the master association to take any further action. Does that help? More of my thought is, um, if the board of directors for the Arbors was not in favor of, of this amendment and it somehow violated their CCNRs, um, uh, that, that's really more of my concern, is, is if we approve this and there's a and there's a and it's in violation of their CCNRs based on us amending a parcel um, that 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 they're not in in favor of. Um, in our approval, are we in violation of something that's already a part of the master CCNR, um, or can they have or, or is there a condition that we put in this that the board of directors at the arbors approves? Um, at, you know, and so, anyways, just a just a process more of process of thought more of just to make sure we're not in violation as if we approve something that is in direct violation with the with a master CCNR. 
the subdivision map act does allow for the subdivision of properties and that that's what's in the city's purview um, any discrepancy between uh, that subdivision and their CCNRs would would be more of a civil matter but um, lost my train of thought um, The uh, the arbors. I, sorry, it's been a long day. The uh, the arbors management was notified of this public hearing and uh, and and that this was this happening. So they do have the opportunity to to contact us or come to speak at this meeting. Anything else? You said that, Derek. I think you said there were two other uh, similar situations in which the the master CCNRs were not um, amended to allow for those? That's correct, yeah. Did and those were um, approved and, and subdivided. And, and we did that. I mean, we, we made this similar kind of change to the, to the requirement or to the ordinance, no? The, the, the conditions of, of the prior two are basically um, how the modification is proposed tonight. It was essentially site-specific CCNR that was approved by the city, um, but it did not require the, there was no mention of having to amend the master CCNR for these other two properties. Oh, at that time there wasn't? There, correct. Well, I'll be darned. Mm -hmm. um, well, here's a question. What's the, what's the utility in asking them to, or having them do that? What would be the utility of that? Uh, the, the thought at the time was um, kind of a, a double measure of enforceability so the the um, master association would be able to enforce those parking and alternative development standards um, as another layer of enforcement that the city would have okay but we still got it I mean that's that I think that's what Derek said earlier correct, correct. Right. okay all right uh, any other questions of staff anyone no okay in that case um, we will receive public comments at this time, and I think we have uh, Ms. Tates is here. Would you like to come forward and make some comments? Um, good evening, and uh, actually Derek explained uh, very well the situation. There were three other buildings that already got condo uh, conversion permits, and there was no requirement to change CCNRs. So this is something new that I guess the city attempted to do, but the association is refusing to change CCNRs specifically because the other three buildings did not require change of CCNRs, so they don't want a precedent that every time somebody goes to the city um, that they, ha they have to change CCNRs, and it's not just them. The whole association has to agree, each and every member, right. which would be very difficult, very cumbersome, and also it would be um, redundant because uh, basically this one sentence says that the, uh, all the members of the association are aware of the existing city ordinances. And the truth of the matter is everybody has to, it's in the pre-existing condition, everybody has to be aware and comply with the existing city ordinances as well as state laws and federal laws. That's presumed. So it's, it's unnecessary. They, this, the association felt it's unnecessary and they did not want a precedent where every time they would have to have all this headache of changing CCNRs. Right. 
So um, I would agree <laughs> with the city staff that in, and uh, would join in asking you to allow this amendment, removing this one sentence. Any questions of uh, Ms. Tates? No? Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, any comments or questions um, on this item? I have just a comment. Mr. Bingham, um, very thorough. I appreciate um, you going through all of that, um, not just in, in written in the staff report, but also orally. Um, with regard to Ms. Tates, I, she, meant she, she used the word redundant, and um, I would agree with that assessment. I think that it's a, it was commendable on behalf of staff to seek that level of redundancy, um, but with it not there, I think there's no net loss. Um, and in qu quoted um, in Ms. Tate's letter is a comment made by Cheryl that says it's not the city's intent to create impossible hurdles. And I underscore that. We don't want to make it impossible. And so um, those are my comments. Yeah, if they're not going to change their CCNRs, how are you going to stop them? Um, no, anything else, gentlemen? I appreciate the, the conversation because my confusion was this has happened in the past, yet my assumption was we had this requirement in the past for, for previous changes that had been made, but but if we had not, and this is and this is unique to this one time, then I don't I don't yeah. I don't see why we, we should continue um, requiring something that we hadn't required in the past. So super, thank you. Just a quick question. Um, is this a is this a change that we would like to make? in general, take away that element so we don't have this kind of situation in the future? Uh, conditions are generally developed on a case-by-case -case basis, really? and okay. next time a case like this comes up, we'll definitely uh, rethink that portion of, of yeah. that type of condition. Okay, very good. <clears throat> okay, very good. If there's no further uh, comment, uh, I would ent um, entertain a motion to uh, adopt the resolution. Um, so approving the amendment to the planning application RSM 21010. So Any moved. It's spelled out. So moved. Yep. Yes. second. Okay. It's been moved and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed, same sign. Hearing none, resolution passes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. 6.2 General Plan Annual Progress Report. Uh, Wendy. The city is required under state law to prepare an annual progress report to the city council, the governor's office of planning and research, and to the state housing and community development department. <laughs> Again, backing up. The general plan consists of seven elements that contain goals, policies, and implementation programs. Each element of the general plan must be internally consistent and forms the framework to guide land use and development decisions. General Plan Progress Report includes a summary of the city's progress towards implementing the general plan and lists the status of the implementation action programs detailed for each of the seven elements of the general plan. State law requires that the general plan annual progress report be provided to the state April 1st of each year. The timely submittal of the required report to the Housing and Development Housing and Community Development Department is a required step towards having a housing element that is in compliance. 2022 was the first year that the city is reporting on the sixth cycle housing element that runs from 2021 to 2029. And you'll note here that I updated this uh, matrix to show that with the new housing element, we have a few more goals, policies, and implementation programs than we used to. 
the implementation plan is presented in a matrix format. We uh, updated it with um, a couple of years ago. That mirrors the 2020 general plans revised goals and policies. I'll just let you know that the text in black font is the program and or implementation action and the burgundy font is the action the city has taken towards that implementation. Staff likes to take this opportunity every year to highlight some of the key programs and actions in 2022, including the following. The six cycle housing element was adopted by City Council on August 24th, 2022 and was certified by HCD on September 13th, 2022, making it only the sixth housing element that was adopted by HCD in Orange County. Round of applause. <laughs> in 2022, the city supported the Chamber of Commerce Rancho Family Fest, which was bigger than ever. And the city also sponsored the Summer Concert Series and New Year's Eve celebration. This is really important to note that the building department was very busy. They just get busier and busier every single year. In 2022, it processed 1,066 plan checks, 1,912 permits. That was 209 more than 2021. As an example of the volume of permits processed, I mean, I've mentioned this in previous Planning Commission meetings, but 493 solar permits were approved in 2022. 270 were approved in 2021, and 140 solar permits were approved in 2019. The Public Works Department, we always like to highlight some of their efforts. They were also busy in 2022 with the annual slurry seal project, the annual concrete re uh, repair project, the Antonio Parkway Alasta Paz Pavement Project, and the Aurora Vista Pavement Rehabilitation Project. Um, it's also great that the city hired a full-time in-house environmental programs coordinator to ensure that we're in compliance with all of the state laws regarding solid waste and recycling of materials. Staff is recommending that the Planning Commission direct staff to provide the General Plan Annual Progress Report for 2022 to the City Council the Office of Planning and Research, and to the Housing and Community Development Department. This concludes our presentation, and we are here to answer any questions that you may have. Okay, any uh, questions, comments? None for me, thanks. Uh, then we'll move on. I have two uh, comments that we received. to anything that might lower the housing standards of the rancher of developments for moderate income and low income all developments within RSM have building setbacks on the street generally those outdoor private and public space for each housing unit all residents enjoy similar housing standards whether living in public housing or not presently the city of RSM has the same housing standard regardless of income urging the planning commissioners to commit to sustaining the RSM master plan all housing in RSM must adhere to the standards of housing within and a second uh, best things about living in Rancho Santa Margarita is that the master plan this city set housing development standards which ensure a great quality of life for everyone who lives here whether the development is designed for above moderate income or extremely low very low income all developments within RSM Building setbacks on the street, green belts and assigned parking spaces, adequate for the occupancy of the living space, outdoor, private, and public space for each housing unit. In addition, every housing 
development, whether it is an apartment complex, condo development, duplex neighborhood, or single family. Housing, such as housing and urban development within RSM, looks the same as the rest of all the housing in the city. All residents enjoy the same housing standards, whether they're living in public housing or not. All the housing at present is the same regardless of income. City to implement a housing element plan that maintains. Residents in RSM commute outside the city in a significant amount of the work one way. The need for all residents to have sufficient parking is critical to the quality of life within RSM, as well as public safety, i.e. health emergency situations as well as becoming a daily occurrence. RSM is a great community to live, work, and play, and please don't lower the RSM master plan housing standards currently in place. Respectfully yours, Mayor. And um, I need to do that again since I didn't have my mic on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Sorry about that. My apologies. Um, my voice does carry. Okay. Uh, any further discussion on this item? Commissioners? Comment. Yes, ma'am. I just um, want to take this opportunity to once again just underscore the importance of emergency planning. And um, I know that the city is interested, but again, I want to just emphasize my interest in uh, city staff continuing to evaluate evacuation routes. I think that's so critically important. I do understand um, kind of the constraints, especially in, in collaborating with um, the fire authority and other, and other third party agencies, and, and they're wanting to be kind of nimble. But, um, but again, I think that um, having community awareness of established evacuation routes, given um, the, the geographical constraints of our city, is critically important. Very good. Gentlemen, anything? Anything further? Uh, with that in mind, um, I would entertain a motion to receive and file the general plan annual progress report for 2022 and direct staff to provide the report to the city council the Governor's Office of Planning and Research, and the State Department of Housing and Community Development Department. Do I hear a motion? Just anyone. <laughs> so moved. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do I hear a second? Second. <laughs> Very good. Uh, it's been moved and seconded. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Uh, item number seven, other reports? Other reports from uh, the staff? Other reports from? Nothing from us. Anything? No. It's been a while since we had a car meeting, hasn't it? We didn't have one last month. Yes. Uh, the next one would be scheduled for next Tuesday. Yeah, I believe that's yeah. March 7th. Um, right. I have not received an agenda yet. I haven't either. So, okay, very good. Uh, any other matters that would the planning commissioners would like to present? I want to take a moment, a personal privilege, and say, tell Kristen how important it is to me that the comments that you make and the work that you do to prepare for this are just extraordinary. I never cease to learn something when I sit here and, and go through this, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. <laughs> Jim, my goodness. 
Well, I'm honored. Thank you. Thank not you for all. that compliment. Not at all. I appreciate it. Second that. Uh, okay. With that in mind, um, we'll adjourn. Thank you very much.